Drum. This episode is about OHSs. That was lovely, Sarah. Yeah. And it's sponsored by <laughs> Jesus. No one. Jesus. <laughs> I saw some pill cases yesterday on Amazon, like pill holders. Mm-hmm. And it was like one with Jesus. And it said, oh, man. I don't know. It's like, what's the prayer like? Our Father Darn who it. art in heaven, hallowed Maybe. be thy name. No, nah, it's like the shorter one. <laughs> Um, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I just killed the joke. It's really fun. It was, I thought it was funny. Um, it's something Here it Jesus is. said. Yeah. So there's a picture of Jesus and he's like holding pills and it says, give mm-hmm. us this day, our daily meds. Ah, uh, got it. <laughs> So that's part of the prayer I just started. I just started from the beginning. Okay. They went right into the, yeah. I like yeah. that. A pillbox with Jesus on it. And then there's a Rose, <laughs> Rosie the Riveter one. And it says, uh-huh. we can do it with meds. <laughs> that's a good one. I just saw someone in our Facebook group post a picture of their ivf protocol meds and she it looks like she's using the exact same bead box that i got from hobby lobby Mm. it continues probably could have went cheaper if you would have got a fishing box from like walmart i know didn't we talked about this in like the second episode and then we've never done anything with it oh did we we did we, Man. we said we could put our logo on the side of a tackle box. Yeah, that'd be cool. She put all the pills in the top portion and the the needles and other paraphernalia in the in the bottom portion. We could still we could still do it. It could still work. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. And then let's start this episode. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the Infertile Mafia. That's Sarah. <laughs> I almost said and my that's own name. Kayla. <laughs> That was. I'm like, I am a robot. I'm just reading right what's because on the page. Because we usually go in the other order. Oh man. Speaking of Hobby Lobby, <laughs> yes, I spent way too much money there. I always weekend. been. <sighs> I was like, this... I need this. I need this. Ooh, I could craft with this. Yeah, I think Hobby Lobby for is also. I think it's one of the reasons Bill's like, nope, we're not moving to the suburbs because he knows that's where Hobby Lobby is. Because <laughs> um. they don't have it in the city. So if I if I go to Hobby Lobby, it's like a special trip. Me too. And yeah. Yeah, you too. That's why he's like, we can only live in the city or the country where there are no Hobby Lobbies. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm the if same you try way. to go on a Sunday, it's not open. So That's right. Those Christians. That should give him a little comfort that you can't go on Sunday. And you can't go to Chick-fil-A on Sunday. That's when we always want to go. I know. That's when it sounds the best is on Sunday. So if you're planning an outing of Hobby Lobby and Chick-fil-A, you'll be sorely disappointed on Sunday. 
<laughs> so, yeah, every time. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, we're talking OHSS today. That's ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. So, um... It's not good. You don't want that. No, you don't want it. You don't want it. We've we've talked about it here and there in other episodes, but this one's going to be all about OHSS today. I've seen someone get it really bad. Some we just got an email a few months ago from a listener. The remember the woman in Canada who had she had to be hospitalized. We read her email on the in this show. Mm. I think we shared it. <laughs> Sarah's like, uh. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> I think we shared it in the New Year's episode, the the one we we released on New Year's Day. She was the one who, like, every time she would email us, she'd be like, it's snowing and my kids Yeah, yeah, five I remember times. her. Yeah, that was her. So she was in Canada and she was commuting to another clinic that was like, I don't know, a few hours away or something. And her commutes kept getting longer because of all this snow. And we got this email in, like, September. And we're like, where are you? Yeah, why do you have snow right now? So she was in, she was in Canada. And mm. then she sent us an update. And she did eventually, like, do an egg retrieval. And she got really bad OHSS. And so she told mm. us a little bit about it. Um, so, yeah, if you want to hear a personal story, in addition to the ones you'll hear today, you can check out that episode. The girl I was thinking of is in Australia, and she was in the hospital for a long time. Aww. And it was bad. Like, they were draining. I mean, normally that doesn't happen. That's very, very rare. And hospitalization, in most cases, are can be avoided. So we don't want to scare anyone right off the bat. Yeah. You know what will scare you? Climate change? Yeah. <laughs> exactly is that what you were gonna say nice transition into some mafia matters (laughs) i found this article that half made me laugh half made me i don't know it's just hard for me to talk about climate change in chicago in february it's just a real tough sell (laughs) yeah because it's very cold there wasn't it like the coldest it's been in forever yeah, the polar vortex a few weeks ago came blowing through, negative 30 degrees almost. It was rough. Burr. But um, anyway, I saw this article. Actually, yeah, it basically says that climate change, it's not funny if it's true, but climate change might be causing infertility. And actually the headline is, climate change and infertility a ticking time bomb question mark so this website i don't know science daily i'm not sure is it Um, a real science website or is it one of those like don't use toothpaste it'll give you alzheimer's well yeah so i've now because i saw this one and i kept i clicked on a few other articles and it seems like they never at least in the three that I read, they don't like link to actual studies. They're just like currently biologists say blah blah blah, but they don't cite any sources. <laughs> so, well, this one does say it cites a few sources. So I'm not it cites where this opinion came from. So I shouldn't say that. Um, but it's I wouldn't say it's like 
it itself is not a scientific source. It's like it's an it's a opinion source about science. Does that make sense? It seems Ye- sounds like a contradiction. Is that like our show? <laughs> there you Boy go. Boy or girl, it's in the father's dreams. You don't say. <laughs> I know some of these headlines. I really I just clicked on it because of the headline. And um, because it looked intriguing. This is from 2008. Well, the one I'm looking at is from January 31st, 2019. So it's very current. Okay. That's good. Um, So I want to read one quote. So this says, in a new opinion article, so keyword opinion, published in Trends in Ecology and Evolution, Researchers highlight that extensive data from a wide variety of plants and animals suggests that organisms lose fertility at lower temperatures than their CTL, which that stands for critical thermal limit, which basically means the point at like what temperature does the organism die. So the study is basically showing that that mam- these animals and plants are losing their ability to procreate before they reach that threshold of death before they die before they die yeah so does that mean the colder it is the more infertile they are no the warmer the warmer it is or probably colder too but we're not worried about an ice age (laughs) we're worried about the opposite it's so it goes on certain groups are thought to be most vulnerable to climate-induced fertility loss, including cold-blooded animals and aquatic species, neither of which are human, thank goodness. Currently, the information we have suggests that this will be a serious issue for many organisms, but which ones are most at risk? Are fertility losses going to be enough to wipe out populations, or can just a few fertile individuals keep populations going? At the moment, we just don't know. We need more data, says Dr. Pierce. Price. Price. And I thought that eerily sounded like the plot of The Handmaid's Tale. That's what I was thinking Mm -hmm. when you were reading that. And then I saw that you said, sounds like the plot of The Handmaid's Tale. (laughs) Yes, it does. Which Hulu finally released season three's uh, launch date. So we have a date. Um... But yeah, Handmaid's Tale, that's what it sounds like. We're all going to be able to blame um, infertility on climate control in the future. Like we need something else to, (laughs) you know, like being infertile isn't bad enough. Now you can also blame it on climate control, according to some scientists. Or climate change? Climate change. Yeah, I'm sorry. Climate change. Isn't climate control like something that's in the car? Right. (laughs) Or your refrigerator. It's climate control. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Let's move (laughs) on to OHSS. What is it? Well, it's an excessive response to injectable hormones that cause eggs and follicles to grow. Happens when a high amount of estrogen and follicles begin to leak fluid outside of the ovaries. It occurs in about 15 to 20% of women who are at risk and can cause many unpleasant symptoms ranging from mild to moderate to severe. Most doctors do everything they can to prevent OHSS. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, I just, (laughs) I had that in my head. I know. 
you said it in the most eloquent way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's actually hard to find a description of what exactly it is. Like, mm-hmm. every website's like, oh, it happens when you take injectable hormones. And I'm like, no, but what is it? Like, what is actually biologically happening? Like, I want to know. I mean, people can get OHSS with uh, Clomid. Yes, but that's really rare. Like, it, but it usually, it's usually not in every case. Like, Christine's going to talk about how she got OHSS in an IUI cycle. But most of the time, it's a combination of high estrogen and a large amount of follicles, but not always. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're doing, and it's usually amount, an amount of estrogen that's like over a certain point. Yeah. Uh, Typically, when your estradiol is above 2,500 is one source that I found. Oh, I was going to say 5,000. You were just going to throw that out there. (laughs) No, I mean, I've looked at the uh, E, is it A2 or E3? E2, I think. I've looked at those numbers a lot and like went on Baby Center and compared people's numbers. Oh, you did the thing we tell people not to do. (laughs) What? I don't think I've ever told anyone not to do that. Oh, I have. I'm all for Googling things. Googling things is one thing. Baby Center is like the wild freaking West. But when you Google stuff, it takes you to Baby Center. I know. I just, I don't think you should compare your numbers to other people because you have no idea what their situation is and how it compares to yours. I think you should. I think you should not. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. I just, I like hearing other people's stories and I'm not like, oh, I don't have it or I do have it because of what someone else said, but I just like to know the average numbers. I would just caution against reading too much into someone else's experience. So let's get back on track here. (laughs) So see your doctor. Let's go see your doctor. And if you're me, stay off of Baby Center. And if you're Sarah, read all the things. (laughs) It makes me feel better. Knowledge makes me feel better. And experiences make me feel better. I agree with you. I just don't think... I would rather compare stories with, like, people I know. Than... Are you a Sarah or are you a Kayla? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who is at risk? So, the people that are most commonly at, at risk are us, like, people doing injectable medications. Um, it's much less common with oral medications like Clomid and Letrozole, but it's not completely unheard of. So it happens most frequently with women that are doing IVF because, you know, obviously that's when you often get the most ovarian stimulation, but can even happen. (laughs) It can even happen when you're doing IUIs or even just with cycles where you do like an injectable ovulation induction. So uh, the younger you are, 20s to early 30s, you're going to be more at risk if you have a high anti-mullerian hormone or high antrophollicle count with PCOS. These are all things that hopefully your doctor's going to take into consideration before, 
you know, they come up with your protocol to stem because you're going to be a little bit higher risk. Um, or, you know, like Christine talked about, she had it more than once. So if you have a known sensitivity to fertility Ooh. drugs and you know that your body responds like, you know, really well, you've had OHS in the I past. I had all then. of these, uh, whatever, like, uh, what, what would these be called? Like risk factors, warnings, risk factors. I had <laughs> almost all of these except for the known sensitivity. Mm. But you did I not was get 25. I have a high M- AMH. I have a high uh, follicle count and I have PCOS. And so does Christine. But we I didn't get it. Responded very differently. Yeah, but I didn't like over respond to the meds. Right. Luckily. And I think it's, I mean, kind of obvious why women with PCOS are more at risk because you've got a lot more follicles than that are like ready to go than maybe the average woman does. So, yeah. Again, I said this earlier, but if your estrogen gets over 2,500 is when you're kind of reaching the range. I think my estrogen, to compare, if <laughs> consider this your babysitter right now. <laughs> Mine was like right around 4,000 before my trigger. And Christine talks about hers was like in 10,000 something. It was really high. Jeez. So they don't really check it after trigger, do they? Uh, mine did because they were concerned I was going to get OHSS. Mine did not. I think well, mine was like at about... 2,500 with 30 follicles. But then I ended up only getting 16 eggs. Oh, see, that's I interesting. Think it, yeah. You would think with 30 follicles, your estrogen would be higher. But I don't know. I don't know. I guess some of those follicles weren't actually doing anything. Who knows? Who knows? So, um, oh, okay. Another thing, uh, if you have a number of lead or maybe, okay, to your point, maybe this happened. If you've got a number of like mature follicles that are over 15 millimeters or more, Mm -hmm. that also maybe puts you at a higher risk. So maybe you had a bunch, but they weren't super mature. I don't know. You don't remember. Or they didn't tell you. I thought that they were all like the same size, but maybe they weren't. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really, uh, yeah. It's it's kind of like other things where you can't just go off of one number. Like high estrogen, lots of follicles, and if you present with these symptoms. And uh, if you have the HCG trigger, that's when you are more likely to get it. Do people... Well, you're going to hear with Christine that she did the Lupron trigger and she still got it. Right. Because she went in there and her estrogen was so high that they decided to trigger her with Lupron. Mm-hmm. Um, but most often it occurs with an HCG trigger. And um, actually Mandy's going to talk about this when we play. Uh, we've got a minute with Mandy segment. I thought this was interesting because if you do down regulation with Lupron then you can't trigger with Lupron. And so these are all things to keep in mind before the cycle starts when you're weighing like how things could go. It's just something Mm -hmm. to keep in mind. But the reason I think, I think she says this, the reason they do a Lupron trigger 
as opposed to an HCG triggers. The Lupron trigger leaves your system pretty quickly. The HCG trigger just hangs out for up to two weeks, and that's where, you know, your estrogen can just keep rising and... Well, and if you do a fresh transfer, then it keeps and you get pregnant. Yeah. And you get pregnant, then you're just going to keep having your HCG rise, and then you'll have your estrogen rise, and then you'll still have OHSS going on. Right. So Which, you'll be like not feeling great your first trimester because of that. Yeah. I have, I have some thoughts and opinions about that because I had OHSS, did a fresh transfer. And I don't know that that was a good idea. So maybe not. And then this, I say something in the segment with Christine and you guys are like, I say, where does the water come from? You're like, you just develop it. I'm like, it has to come from somewhere. Well, no, I know. (laughs) Like, how do you gain weight without putting something in your body is what I was saying. I know. And I tried to find that. I, Which you kind of did. Well, so your the HCG trigger um, prompts the body to respond by shifting water from our bloodstream into our large body cavities. So that's where the water is coming from. This is so over my head. Yeah. So th- we don't need to. I mean, I would like to know, understand it better. But for the I, sake of our I podcast, I want to know. But I feel like if we don't know. We can't you know explain what? it. You know what? Let's save this question for when we interview the that RE that we're going to interview in the future. Ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Sarah and I want to know where is the fluid coming from? Because I think it's coming from one place and you think it's coming from another. No, I just don't know. I was always taught. I was always... When people explained it to me at my clinic, they said it was coming from the follicles. So that's what I, and it made sense to me. But I, that might, that might be wrong. I don't know. We'll ask the doctor or maybe Mandy, I'm sure she's listening and maybe she can explain this better or someone else can. If you know where the fluid's coming from, tell us. I feel like we, we just had a nice, it was a nice fight. Right. About how conflict resolution have conflict, but not negatively. Sarah and I have. Let's pause for a moment. Man, we have. No, we have a great working relationship. Yeah, we do. We disagree sometimes, but we don't ever get mad at each other or I've never been mad at you. Maybe it's all one sided. No, I've never been mad at you. No, that wasn't really a fight. That was just both of us being like, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) And I don't know enough to like really stand my ground on it. And I as well. So we'll ask the RE about that one. Symptoms. Let's talk about symptoms because this is something I do have personal experience with and something that's a little easier to talk about. So there usually going to occur about two days after ovulation or after a trigger shot. Um, they, if you just kind of have a mild case, they're going to usually subside within a few weeks unless we, like we said, unless you get pregnant and then in which case symptoms pretty much remain until like that 
HCG is until that levels off in your blood because that's the the hormone the pregnancy hormone that keeps rising for a lot of your first the first part of your pregnancy would that be until the placenta takes over or more like seven weeks so one article I read was that once you reach a positive pregnancy test that often women continue to have symptoms for you know two to three weeks but that okay wasn't my experience it I never my symptoms um they certainly got better from the initial like oh my gosh I have OHSS but they never quote went away but I also had Your never whole been pregnancy no I also didn't I had never been pregnant before and I didn't know what was normal and what wasn't because when you look at some of these symptoms, you can feel a lot of that in early part of pregnancy anyway. <laughs> so, and the later part of pregnancy too. Certainly. Yeah. Okay, the symptoms are bloating, nausea, abdomen distension. Did I say that right? <laughs> Distension. Distension. So that <laughs> means like it swelling. sticks out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, pain in your stomach area and ovary area shortness of breath enlarged ovaries like how are you going to know your ovaries are enlarged unless you have a well you're not ultrasound. that's just going to be right when you go to the doctor uh, and then if it's severe you can have blood clots se- severe dehydration vomiting low blood pressure and rapid weight gain so that's three pounds in less than two days right which so, I feel like I could gain three pounds in less than two days if I eat a I think lot I of could too. chocolate. <laughs> I think I could too. The, um, but the, you know, severe cases of OHSS, you, you hear women who gain like 30 to 40 pounds in no time at all. In fact, the girl Dana, the Canadian who sent us the email about her OHSS, told us she gained oh, 40 yeah, pounds. Dana. Yeah, that's her name. That's her name. That's her name. I know exactly who you're talking about now. There you go. I should have said her name. Hello. I forgot that she was Canadian. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but all the, the ones you read at the beginning, whether you have mild, moderate, severe, whatever, those are going to be your, you know, you're most likely going to have those symptoms. Um, I certainly had all of them. Um, Oof. I had pretty bad pain in my abdomen i could not breathe i looked that would be scary it is scary that's why i i went to the doctor the very first thing the next morning i didn't even have an appointment i just showed up because i'm like screw this i'm not even calling you i'm just like, i'm here bitches <laughs> exactly let me in i'm really good at that when i need to be like <laughs> forcing my way into people's sphere We'll take a pause here and um, we'll play a clip from Nurse Mandy or she can she's going to talk to you in a more clinical way about OHS. Nurse Mandy. This is a minute with Mandy. BSNRN. A more recognized complication after egg retrieval is ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, also called OHSS. OHSS can occur in up to 20% of at-risk women who have increased levels of estrogen and or excessive amounts of follicles. 
It's caused by the empty follicles filling up with the fluid, and this fluid then begins to leak into the body where it should not be, such as the abdomen. This is referred to as third spacing, and it can actually be a very dangerous medical condition. Mild OHSS can cause bloating, nausea, and swelling of the abdomen. When OHSS is severe, blood clots, shortness of breath, abdominal pain, rapid increase in weight, low blood pressure, a drop in blood volume due to third spacing, diarrhea, dehydration, and vomiting are all very possible. Rare deaths are reported. If you have any signs of OHSS, even very, very mild symptoms, please contact your clinic's on-call emergency nurse line. You will be closely monitored, and if it's serious enough, may be hospitalized or have the fluid drained from your abdomen. If you're at risk for OHSS, your RE may be able to prevent OHSS altogether by having you trigger with Lupron. This is extremely beneficial to those with PCOS who are naturally at an increased risk for OHSS. The Lupron trigger works to prevent OHSS due to the fact that the LH surge that is initiated in response to the Lupron injection is actually very short-lived. The LH surge will adequately induce maturation of the eggs for egg retrieval. However, it's cleared from the body relatively quickly, which results in elimination of the long-term stimulation of the ovaries that occurs with an HCG trigger shot that can linger in your body for about 10 days. However, if your doctor downregs with Lupron, you will not be able to trigger with the Lupron shot. So make sure you discuss your options and your risk factors for OHSS ahead of time. The good news is that all attempts are usually taken by REs to prevent complications like OHSS after egg retrieval. This has been A Minute with Nurse Mandy. All right. Thank you, Mandy. Mandy. Thanks. Thanks for for explaining things far better than we could ever dream to. That was a minute with Mandy. Love it. So (laughs) So. let's talk about how we can ways to prevent OHSS, which your doctor's going to know most of this. Hopefully. They should. They should. And we mentioned some of it earlier, but like in Christine's case, you're going to hear that her doctor, when he saw her estrogen spiking, was like, whoop, we're, you're not going to have an HCG trigger. So sometimes your doctor will pull the HCG trigger if they're worried about you getting it um, and lose, use a Lupron trigger instead. Um, they may lower the dosage of your um, medications. Um, or like this says, continue monitoring without any additional stim at all. So they might just stop them altogether. Costia. Costia. Um, and uh, side note, if you use a Lupron trigger, you cannot do a fresh transfer. Correct. Right. So, or if they, if they think that it's more likely than not, they might just tell you up front, we're just going to do a freeze-all cycle and delay an embryo transfer until your body has a chance to recover. So, which in um, some cases can take a couple months. Yeah, I I guess this is now a good time to talk about my I just I don't think I should have done a fresh transfer. But Probably not. No. But, like I I had 
really, really bad symptoms for like two days. And I remember them saying like, I think if I remember them saying if your estrogen comes down significantly and some of your symptoms that you're describing subside, then we'll we'll still plan to do a fresh transfer in whatever, however many days it was later, five days. If not, I mean, she was like, if not, if this keeps getting worse, we're not going to do it. But I kind of think, uh, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but I kind of think I should have just waited. But I, and I'm speaking to the person out there that wants to do the fresh transfer so bad because you just want the baby so bad. There's no, you know, one more Plus month. Plus there's money. That's true. It's going to cost more to do a frozen <laughs> cycle, but... Also, I don't, yeah, forest through the trees situation, really. When you're in it, it's very hard to think logically. Like, even just the thought of one more month sounds like, uh, it just sounds like an eternity. When in reality, I think my body would have done better if I had waited. And, disclaimer, I do not in any way, shape, or form, blame my miscarriage on OHSS. Like, that, I don't think that that was why I want to put that out there, too. Um, I just think... You just would have felt better. Yes, I would have felt better. I would have felt a lot better. So, and I, I, yeah, I just think I would have gone into that next... Yeah, I would have gone into the transfer. Just, yeah, better physically and thus mentally prepared for it. So, I don't know. But... This was also over four years ago. I don't know if things, things have were changed. Things have changed. Things have changed and doctors are better at... It just seems like the science just keeps honing... They just keep honing in on, uh, you know, more optimal solutions for patients. So, relieving symptoms. There is good news. It's usually short-term kind of situation. It's not something that lasts for very long. If it's severe, they will, they can hospitalize you um, and even drain fluid from your abdomen, like Dana. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we said, that's really rare. It's so. like if you get a tummy tuck, they'll be draining fluid. Ugh. Yeah. Remember she, she said she can't look at pink smoothies anymore. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Yuck. So the other thing that um, supposedly helps the symptoms, this didn't help me, but it helps some people, are like electrolyte rich drinks. So that's your Gatorades, your Powerades, um, which I mean, in theory should work because you're basically getting dehydrated. That's why you're feeling, that's why you're potentially vomiting or feeling nauseous and the yeah, all this water's going out of your blood and into your body. Yeah. So, um, cabergoline is a supplement you can sometimes take to decrease fluid retention. I was gonna say, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Just gonna take some cabergoline. I don't think it's like a woo-woo thing. I think it's like. Like a, I've never heard of that. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it, 
I think it has to be prescribed by a doctor. I don't think you can just get it anywhere. I Um, used to take something called Diamox, which also uh, decreases fluid retention. But I don't think you're supposed to take it when it comes to pregnancy. Hmm. I so when I was going through it myself and like watching other YouTube videos and stuff at the time, a lot of women said that they like eat salty foods, but I don't know if that <laughs> That seems opposite. I know, right? Salty makes me thirsty. Right. Or but maybe does it pull fluid from places where it shouldn't be? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So the thing that helped me the most was a huge amount of protein. And that was what... Protein! Yeah, like bodybuilder style. That was what my doctor recommended. Everyone in the office recommended huge amounts of protein. And You take protein? Protein, protein, protein. Are you staying up on your protein? Yeah. I could play that whole... I had a protein count in that video. <laughs> like how many times people <laughs> said the word protein. It got up there. She recommended 150 grams a day, which like a one, like a big, like a nine ounce steak is only like 65 grams of protein. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's a lot. And so I pounded the protein for like, well, a while, but um, to to get those symptoms that I had initially down. I mean, I did at least 150 every day for two or three days. And then I finally got some relief from the really bad symptoms. So when I went into the doctor, I didn't say this earlier, but my ovaries were like three times the normal size. And I already had some fluid in my stomach. So they were like, that's not good. It can get dangerous when it starts moving to other places, specifically your lungs and heart. That's when it gets really dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. So they, that's why they they said flu or protein helps your body get rid of excess fluid, moves it out of your system. I don't know how it works. So I'm not going to pretend to know, but it was the only thing that gave me relief. Maybe Melissa would know. I bet Melissa would know. The nutritionist. She probably knows. Yeah. We don't know anything. <laughs> what are we doing? Um, but like we said earlier, when to seek help, I say even if you have mild symptoms, call the doctor. If you're wondering if you should seek help, you should probably seek help. Yes. Yes. If you're like, should I go to the doctor? Yeah, probably. Just be just better safe than sorry. Just be like I did. Just bulldoze your way in there. Who cares if there's a long line of women ahead of you? <laughs> they can wait. They can wait. <laughs> but certainly if you experience any of those severe symptoms, particularly the weight gain, I would say the weight gain is a really like if you're, you know, It's been two days and you've gained like five pounds. That is not good. Or um, yes, severe pain in your stomach and shortness of breath. Those are the other two that I would say are like really two to really watch out for. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now we are going to, we had 
um, Christine join us a few days ago to share her experience with OHSS. So we're going to play that clip now. So we're here with, um, like I said, Christine, she, you've been on the podcast multiple times. So if you don't know who Christine is, shame on you. Not really. You probably um, know she, who she is, though, if you're on Instagram. I'm sure you know who she is. Yeah. <laughs> she might not. <laughs> not. Not an incredible amount of reason to know who I am. Well, you know of her stuff. Yeah. Christine is, a, I think, a brilliant illustrator. Thanks, <laughs> would you call yourself like a cartoon? Yeah, I would say cartoonist. Cartoonist. Sure. Yeah. I'd say yeah, fashion. I don't, like, I don't really use labels. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to put you in a box. So I don't, I don't subscribe to labels. Right. Yeah. But she's a very talented artist. We'll go with that label. Are you good with that one? Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah. So if you don't follow her on Instagram, she's at Infertility Illustrated or infertility, infertilityillustrated.com is your website. Yes. Yes. Okay. So we met through the podcast and then, I mean, now we're just friends. We just hang. We just hang. Like, we're sitting really close to each other sharing a microphone and Christine has garlic breath and I have curry breath from the Thai food we ate tonight. <laughs> I thought it would be good to have Christine on this episode specifically because we're talking about OHSS and you experienced OHSS after your egg retrieval, as did I. So I while we have, yeah, Sorry. Sarah didn't. So I can't believe you didn't. Because you're completely you also have PCOS, right? That's correct. I can't I, believe you didn't. I don't know. I stemmed predictably. They must have done really low and slow. Well, with your mm. protocol, I guess. Maybe they just really screwed mine up. I don't know. No, but. like I, I just, I reacted to the meds the way they would expect someone to yeah. act, react. I guess. And a lot of times, PCOS, you like overreact. So yeah, I overreacted a lot. Yeah. Mm. Well, tell so, us about that's it. why. Well, yeah, you know, going about, you know daily life on IVF meds and then I just like one day toward the end you know toward the retrieval getting closer to the retrieval I got this crazy panicked call it's like you're peeing <laughs> because it's low to the ground Kayla just poured some wine for herself and I'm not peeing <laughs> it sounded a little bit like someone was peeing but it was just her pouring wine anyway I'm back sorry. to the story I didn't mean to interrupt you <laughs> Um, yeah, my doctor called me in like a panic sort of, and I think she had to leave me a message because I don't think I got it right away, but she's like, call me back as soon as you get this. And so I guess my estrogen levels were at like nine or 10,000 or oh, something. Yeah. Like Ooh, really my crazy high. And she was like, okay, so you can't, you can't do the HCG, HCG trigger. Is mm -hmm. that what the other one is? Yep. You can't do that trigger. We're going to have to do a Lupron trigger, which we talked about in the, what is it, the downshifting episode? Yeah, keep it like on that. the down low. Yeah. I um, think you and I talked about it. on. Yeah. In, yeah, yep. Yeah, because that was like right after Sarah. Yes. Uh, that was we don't we talk about that. Hosting. I know. Sorry. I just, I'm sorry. I thought I didn't mean Fuck. to say that. <laughs> Cut that part out, guys. Cut it out. Anyway, so 
So yeah, I had to do the Lupron trigger because my doctor's like, if you take this HCG trigger, we're going to have to put you in the hospital, basically. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so I was like, okay. And so, you know, if you do the Lupron trigger, that means you're automatically not doing a transfer that month. You have to wait a month. So it's just sort of like, F, this is prolonging the process. But anyway, so Lupron trigger, fine. My mom came out for the retrieval you know, fine. So they were there. I think she was there for the day of the retrieval. And I think she left the day after the retrieval. And so the morning after the retrieval, I I think I was fine. So, you know, I was like, okay, see you later. And then, you know, I think as the day progressed, I was sort of like, oh, my stomach's just like Mm -hmm. a little bit bigger. (laughs) But I was, it wasn't, so bad to the point that I was, you know, alarmed by it. And then I think I woke up in the middle of the night, like couldn't breathe, mm-hmm. really, really nauseous. And like, I literally thought my stomach was going to explode. Like I thought if you were to poke it with like a needle, like I, I genuinely thought I might explode. Like I, it was like, um, in Willy Wonka, yeah. the girl who becomes the blueberry. Oh, here we go. Willy Wonka again. Yes. Did you guys talk about this? Have you guys talked about this? No, we, we didn't talk, we were talking we didn't about, about, about Violet. Part. We were talking about Veruca and her golden eggs. Oh, well. Yeah. Now we're Violet. Now we're under Violet. Violet. Just going to move our way I through the chocolate name, factory. But I literally felt like Violet. And I'm talking about the original <laughs> Willy Wonka, not yeah, yeah. the new one, because I feel like they didn't do a good job in the new no. one. No. But, I mean. In the, in the original one, yeah. that is how I felt. And... I was by myself because my husband was deployed. Ryan was deployed. So I just, you know, panicked in the middle of the night. I think I used, like, WhatsApp to send him some panicked messages. And then the next day, I called my doctor. And I was like, I told her what was going on. They told me to come in. And it was so bad. Like, I couldn't walk. It took me an enormous amount of energy from where I parked my car just to cross the crosswalk to go over to, you know, from there I still had to walk down a little sidewalk and around the corner to go to the office. But just to walk across the crosswalk was, like, really difficult. I've never had that feeling before of, oh, my God, I don't need some, a car's going to come and hit me right now because I can barely make it across this crosswalk. <laughs> the thing that I think really annoyed me about it all was... When I got there and when my doctor finally looked at me, she was like, okay, yeah, you just have a mild case of OHSS. And you're like, mild? Oh. And I was like, are you serious? We're calling this mild? Yeah. My my stomach, I looked like I was at least six months pregnant. I, I mean, it had to be at least six. I don't know what six months pregnant looks like, but <laughs> that's what it felt like. Yeah. And the fact that I, I couldn't breathe, like my chest hurt. So I, like, had the pregnancy pillow and spent all night sitting up, and I was super, super nauseous. I remember being super nauseous, and they had to prescribe me medicine for that because I kept throwing up. And it lasted about a week. I didn't go to work for a week because nobody at work knew what I, you know, that I'd just done IVF. And if I had gone to work... I had I had a bump. I had a very sizable bump for a solid week. Like whoa! Like I didn't want to see anybody. Yeah. It was it was just that awkward having a huge bump like that. Um. So yeah, I think just for like a week, 
I remember being on a conference call and having to be like, hey guys, I'm, I'm really sorry. I gotta go throw up. Oh no. Because <laughs> oh. I still worked. I just worked from home that whole week. Yeah. Which is annoying and I probably should have just not worked that week. Uh, yeah, I just kept throwing up, waited a week for the swelling to go down or for, yeah, I guess all the fluid to get reabsorbed. But I had, they had retrieved 26 eggs from mine. That's quite a Which was, I think, like, a lot. That's yeah. a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. So. That's, I mean. I think, I mean, that was my experience. I just remember a week of, I, like, I'm still kind of mad that Ryan wasn't there for it. Because <laughs> he has no idea what. How hard it What was. happened that week. Yeah. Just, Aww. like, that whole week of having, a, like, a giant swelled stomach and being so nauseous that you're just constantly throwing up and, like, the shortness of breath. I think that's what I remember mm-hmm. the most, all those but, things. Yeah, it sounds like you did the right thing to call your doctor. <laughs> yeah, well, and, I mean... I, was, I mean, you my just, doctor like... was looking at this. <laughs> yeah, like, well, yeah, there's, it's just one of those... you. It's better safe than sorry situations because... Uh, you just you just don't want to mess around with it when it's when I think I think if Ryan had been there, if it had been the middle of the night and Ryan had been there, we probably would have gone to the emergency room. It was like that, that kind you were of that uncomfortable. Yeah, I think it was that kind of situation. But because it was like just me and I wasn't about to go get in a car and drive anywhere, I was just sort of like, okay, just like make it through the night <laughs> and oh, then go. You can go to your doctor tomorrow. That sounds awful. <laughs> I mean, you know what it's like. I, it was just terrible. I do. I do. And I similarly had a... Well, I don't... Before we talk about me. So your main symptoms were... And it happened not the day after egg retrieval, but the day after that. So, like, your two not or three days... Not the day, day. No, not... No, no, no. The day after egg retrieval. So not the day of egg retrieval. Oh, okay. But the, the next d- day. The next day, yeah. Okay. So that was actually my second that was case your of peak. OHSS, too. The first time we had it, the first time I had it was after, I think it was just after, uh, like, an IUI round. Yeah, It was a mild case, though. The first time was a mild case because I didn't even know until, basically, like, we had sex. And afterward, I was in excruciating amounts of pain, but we'd just done, I think, the transfer or the, the IUI maybe a couple of days prior or something. So I was like, it's got to be too soon for an ectopic. But, like, I'd had ectopics in the past, so that my, my when I was in the extreme amounts of pain, my, my mind obviously went to ectopic first. But So I called the on-call doctor, and he was like, no, it's too soon for an ectopic. It's probably OHSS. From an IUI. Yeah, because I just responded really quickly to the drugs. It wasn't nearly as bad as the IVF. Like you you were just a little nothing. Over it was just like intense cramps. Sure. That I didn't know what it was. Right. And when I went in, they're just like, yeah, it's just just it's like a mild. They said that was a mild case of OHSS, and I believed them that time. Yeah. Second time I did not. What you had was more of a moderate. Yeah, yeah, at least. At least, yeah. I thought oh, but that's you were going to say you got put in the hospital. I, <laughs> honestly, in retrospect, I'm surprised that they didn't ever need to do, like, 
a draining thing or something. Because I've seen people yeah, yeah. that have to get, like, drain. And I guess I'm glad I didn't have to do that because it seems kind of gross. But. When they did... So, when they looked at you, did did they see, like, free fluid outside of your ovaries, like, in your abdominal cavity? Yeah. Okay. There was, like, a lot of free fluid. Yeah. Yeah. And I assume it was probably contained to that area, or they probably would have... Yeah, if it if it had gotten if it was up higher, I'm sure. Yeah, they would have but they're the like looking. That is it creeping into the lungs? Like that's where it really yeah. gets scary. No, it wasn't there. It was just like I think it was just like I couldn't breathe because it was so much like yeah. pressure, yeah. just yeah. like on that area or below that area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. Yeah, crazy. so I know I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like some people when you think about I um OHSS. Most commonly, it's happening after a woman has done IVF and a large amount of eggs were retrieved, but not in every case. Like some women experience it even with a small amount of eggs retrieved, they experience this like similar symptoms. Yeah, it's it was like so, really bad, like cramp pain, sort of. Okay, that lasted. I'd say it lasted for about an hour or so, and it was. I it probably would have never felt it. I probably would have never known. Except for the fact that we had sex and that obviously aggravated it in some kind of way. Made it mad. <laughs> How dare you have sex? We just did a treatment. Right. <laughs> we took care of that for you. <laughs> well, you, you know, are not allowed to have any fun. <laughs> Still wanted to do it the fun way. <laughs> Good for you. So we did, and I paid the price. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I did a drawing of that. The, it's like I think it was like pillow talk with the on-call oh, doctor yeah. because I was just like curled up in a million pillows being like it's not an ectopic you think it's just OHSS okay oh, great <laughs> man yeah no but that's good I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I d- it's just important to pay attention to your symptoms listen to your body if you're worried about it be on the safe side call your doctor one second you're like, oh, I'm looking a little chubbier than I was this morning. <laughs> and the next second you're, you're dying. Like, Holy shit. <laughs> what does it have? I, I think I'm going to pop. Yeah. It's you. I mean, you'll know it because you'll feel like Violet from Willy Wonka. Right. That's, that's a really, that's a great analogy. Yeah. So you gain exactly weight quickly too, right? Yeah. Yes. The, where does yeah. it come from? I wish I could find the picture. It's the ovaries are, it's the it's follicles. It's the fluid, yeah. It's like, I know, but when, so it's like, they all become what, corpus Corpus luteum. luteum. Yeah. And so. And they fill up with fluid. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have 26 eggs retrieved, so you have 26 corpus luteums, all this with this fluid, and then the fluid, I think, gets like outside of It just spills out. Yeah. And then it just like fills up. I think when they did the ultrasound, uh, like my ovary didn't fit on the screen. Mm-hmm. It was bigger. that's how my <laughs> my ovary was bigger than the ultrasound screen. If that can give you any kind of like that's frame crazy. <laughs> they would say the way to avoid it is to eat a lot of protein. protein. Well, yeah. that's how to get protein rid of it. Protein and electrolytes. I remember because <sighs> I remember trying to drink a lot of Gatorade. And it just not really no. helping. So I thought instead of me talking about my experience that I would just, you know, because I've got it recorded in, pos- in posterity to play a, a clip from my YouTube channel when I talk about my OHSS symptoms. So we'll drop that in here. Hi, friends. I'm car vlogging because I 
am in traffic on a Friday afternoon in Chicago, and that means I'll be here for a while. I've had a day. I did not sleep well last night at all. That's the first night that I have been so uncomfortable with pain in my stomach, not down in my abdomen, in my stomach, bloating, pressure, gas, constipation, you name it, I was battling it last night. Could not wait to get to the doctor this morning so that they could tell me what is up with these symptoms. Do I have OHSS? What the heck is going on? It's like really sore when I have to go to the bathroom still. Like if I have a full bladder, almost feels like when you have a urinary tract infection, kinda. And so I, I was thinking the ultrasound one might irritate it or aggravate it, but it wasn't bad. She didn't have to crank that thing anywhere. She put the wand in and immediately she says, oh look, your right ovary is taking up the entire screen. See this giant black thing? Yeah, that's your ovary. Normally where your uterus is. <laughs> My ovaries, she said they were measuring at around nine centimeters, which is about three times the normal size. They did have a lot of fluid in them. She could see some fluid in my abdominal cavity. Um, I mean, I could not breathe last night. I sat up on the couch because I could not lay down at all. So I just sat on the couch for the entire night. I was miserable. They did check my lungs for fluid, which I do not have. Every single person I ran into in the clinic today, Kayla, how are you feeling? Uh, not so great. Well, how's your protein intake? I mean, all of them were talking about protein, protein, protein. Those ovaries are weeping. They're having fluid. Just keep coming. Mm -hmm. So the more protein you eat, the better off you're going to be. Okay, you heard it. The doctor recommends 150 grams of protein a day. So all I have to say is challenge accepted. So the rest of the the rest of the video, I'll link it in the show notes if anyone is curious. But I went on to like talk about all the like different protein things that I tried to like get myself up to 150 grams of protein, and um, or to just like give myself some relief. Oh, Christine just showed me. That. I have a picture this like that better. too. This was better day. I wish oh, I could show man. this to you, Sarah. I can't see. Wait, here, right thing. here. Can you see that? Whoa! You, see? you do look pregnant. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, she does. And this was like, it finally started to get a little bit better. So I just had like a baby, baby bump. Oh. <laughs> this was day, that was day six. Yeah. So even at day yeah, six. Yeah, yours was bad. I don't know if you can see it. Wow. That was at yeah, day I can six. See it. And then this was like back to normal, I don't know, however many days later. So you, that's like what it would normally be. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was, this was my progression. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's intense. Yeah. It's just crazy yeah. how much fluid your body takes on after, it's crazy. So, anyway, I wanted to point out, Christine, did you notice who is the very first comment on this video? Sarah loves Peter. <laughs> it's me. Wait. Sarah why? loves Peter. Wait, I need to read this. See, we were friends before we started this podcast. It's right there for is, all to see. Is that what you should do to lose weight? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I do. Did I do. you read your comment? Okay, yeah. I'll read her comment. This is Sarah's comment from four years ago on my video about my OHSS symptoms. 
Maybe you could put a layer of lotion. <laughs> this sounds like a good tactic. I might it does, try it, it does. someday. Okay, put a layer of lotion on. And this is very creative, if you think about it. Why? I don't understand this, but... <laughs> I'll explain after I read it. Okay. Put a layer of lotion on, then sprinkle salt on your belly. <laughs> <laughs> and then wrap it with saran wrap. It just keeps getting better. And then put bandages over that. <laughs> kind of like a weight loss wrap. And then she tells me, I would take the Valium. It'll calm you down, and that'll help your transfer go smoothly. I'm so excited for your transfer That's tomorrow. That's really sweet. See? That part's really sweet. She's such a good friend. So man, <laughs> is this is this like a tactic to lose weight? Because I'd like to try it. Okay, so here's I where... I don't know. No, the, con- the context is from... So I was listing off not only all these protein things I was trying, like this protein shake and this protein bar and these protein gummies and all these different protein things that I had gotten at the the protein store. (laughs) That's the thing. And then I was like listing off other things that are like can supposedly help relieve symptoms of bloating or gas or like all these terrible symptoms I was having. And so I said that Epsom salt sometimes helps reduce... Mm. fluid retention and bloating and I was like I can't take a bath so how could I get Epsom salt how could I make this work and that's when Sarah was like put some lotion on your belly and then sprinkle the salt on it puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again (laughs) name that movie I don't know you don't know (laughs) say it again it puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. No, I don't know what that what movie is that. It puts the lotion on its fucking skin. Time. What movie? It's cause she's not a a true crime oh. fan. What movie is it? It's Silence uh, of the Lambs. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo just, Bill. I was too scared yeah. to watch that movie. I've never uh, seen it. Yeah. Well he there's, has someone there's a scene. in a hole <laughs> and he's like, put lotion on your skin so it'll be nice and supple. When I cut it off so, and wear it. Oh, gross. <laughs> As suit or whatever. Really? Yeah, it's no, a great movie. I'm never watching it's that It's a great movie. movie. It's one of the best. Jodie Foster at her peak. No, I've never seen sure. it. No interest. <laughs> oh, it's it's amazing. Well, that's a really sweet suggestion, <laughs> Sarah. I, I feel think like that's not a very good su- suggestion. Because, like, the lotion probably would cancel out the salt. Well, I I just appreciated your creativity because you were like, let's see, how can I help her figure out how to make this work? <laughs> I know. I liked it. I liked it. You, Sarah, you were the very first comment, and then you see who's the second comment? Nurse Mandy. Yeah, that's Mandy. Oh, I have such good friends. Yeah. No, you nice. guys. Oh. Okay. Anyway, so that was my experience with OHSS. I 2014, I think I had just started infertility stuff around 2014. Really? You should have joined the club with us. I didn't even know anything existed. Yeah. I, I wasn't... I randomly stumbled. I was like stumbled. alone in my bubble, guys. Wow. I was on, on my cave. I would have been, but I just randomly stumbled upon YouTube. Yeah, anyway. When did I start that? Okay. Go, go so, on. So, Christine, right. before you go, we'll do... We're going to do... And out of the, we'll we'll do out of the box with you here, okay? Are we gonna sing it? 
out of the box. Out of the box. Out of the box. Oh my gosh. It's a disaster every time. Okay. Um, I was just going to say the only time people say I smell good is when I haven't showered for a couple days and I have dry shampoo on. (laughs) I can't do the dry shampoo because I feel like the dry shampoo, it changes the color of my hair too much. And then I spend like 20 minutes vigorously rubbing the top of my head like a genie or whatever, trying to get the dry <laughs> shampoo to blend in. There's dark I, uh, dry shampoo. Oh, what? yeah, you need there's, dark dry shampoo. dark dry shampoo. You can I was get. just going to say, it must be worse for it's people messy, with dark though. hair. Yeah. I've tried I've tried a lot of brands. Yeah. The stuff that I like is, it's like dry bar. It's like texturizing mist or something. And it like texturizes... But it doesn't change your hair color. So it's like not dry shampoo, but it sort of does the same, something similar. Yeah, I'm a big fan of texturizing But like, it doesn't matter. Spray. Even if I were to put dry shampoo in, I still couldn't wear my hair down. It would still, I feel like, feel this, like this greasy mess and I'd end up with it in a ponytail anyway. We need, okay, calling, putting out the some kind of signal. Mafia signal. Yeah. <laughs> shoot the needle. What? Through. Yeah, we'll shoot the needle in the air. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> What's it full of? I don't know. I don't know either. It's like Ugh. squirting. Yeah, we're squirting the needle in the air. Okay, gross. We're putting out some kind of signal. What's your favorite dry shampoo brand? Let us know. So that might have sounded like we had to end our conversation with her quickly, but Christine had a train to catch. <laughs> she had to bolt. Man, I was worried about her. Sarah was very worried. If you miss your train, you'll be stranded. (laughs) You're never stranded in this city. (laughs) There's always another train (laughs) coming. If you miss your train here, I don't know where you are because there aren't trains here, but there's not another one coming until the next morning. If you miss your train here, there's another train or there's another line train there's a taxi there's an uber you can rent a car you could get one of those bike trolley things there's lots of options in the city i wouldn't recommend that one in february but yeah that'd be cool you're never stranded okay my phobia is being stranded somewhere i know i know that's why it scares me i know if you come visit i will take all the proper no i say if when you come visit, I will take all the proper precautions. You will never be stranded anywhere. But just take solace knowing even if you are, you're never stranded in this city. I promise. Well, Peter will be with me, so. True. Okay, the he'll, two of you get will never somewhere. be stranded. <laughs> <laughs> so we were, um, were talking to Christine about dry shampoo. And Yeah, what's the deal with dry shampoo? What's the deal? What's the deal with dry shampoo? Isn't that the Jerry Seinfeld line? <laughs> Probably. I'd have to say it more nasally. What's the deal with dry... No, that sounds... Oh, that sounded no. like him. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> What's the deal with dry shampoo? It's not dry and it's not shampoo. <laughs> right? Isn't that what he would say? Probably. Something like that. So. Anyway. All right. There you go. Close this out, Sarah. All right. So, 
Join our closed Facebook groups called the Infertile Mafia and the Infertile Mafia Bosses and Babies. And just so you know, to join Bosses and Babies, you have to be a part of the Infertile Mafia. Because we've been getting some requests from people who aren't in the Infertile Mafia. And I'm like, how did you find this? But anyway. (laughs) Also, uh, some of your responses in the Infertile Mafia, you have to answer some questions to get in the group. Some people are really funny. Yes, I agree. I wish we could share their responses because I'm like, ha I wish I could yes. like this. <laughs> right. We appreciate anyway. your humor. And yeah. on in that same vein, though, if you don't answer the questions, you don't get in. We've said it before, but that I would say true. at least there's probably like five to ten requests a week of people who don't answer the questions they don't get in just answer the questions <laughs> yeah you can follow us on instagram at infertile mafia podcast feel free to send us an email to infertile mafia at gmail.com and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to hear lots of talk about eggs and balls and stuff yes i just want to take a minute and just i don't know something's coming over me right here in this very instant and thank all the people who listen to this podcast i feel like we don't thank you enough oh thank you thanks for listening yeah we just want to thank you for listening and i don't know we just we appreciate you and we're glad you're here with us and uh don't forget about our uh hashtag show me your pineapples uh campaign i don't know that sounds lame it's not a campaign but it's just we're we're sharing a lot of you have shared your pineapples. <laughs> that sounds dirty. Um, <laughs> sh- keep sharing your pineapples with us. Yeah, we've been you've been tagging us with pictures of your pineapple paraphernalia, and it's really fun. We started a highlight reel on our Instagram page. So if you um, share your pineapples with us, we're going to share them with everybody else. <laughs> we're all so, about sharing. We're all about sharing. Um, and speaking of sharing, if you want to share, like Sarah said, a rating and review, we love to hear from you because that, um, that does, uh, not only is it encouraging for us, but really it's helpful for other people. Um, it helps people find the podcast. So thank you for those of you that have done that as well. And as always, thanks for joining the Infertile Mafia. Bye. Bye.